0: Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson.
1: Well, hello again, everyone. This is Mark Stinson and you've come to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And this is the podcast where we talk to experts literally around the world about how to stimulate more inspirational thinking on your part, but also how to organize your ideas and how to use techniques and methods to publish and promote and market your ideas to make sure that your best thinking is getting up and out into the world. And it's in that light that I'm just so happy to talk to our guest today, Lisa David Olson. Lisa, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you, Mark. It's wonderful to be here and you have this lovely cafe that you're sitting in where everybody's holding perfectly still. Yes, exactly.
1: The, the virtual backgrounds of the uh, Zoom world that we live in. It's so good.
0: <laughs> well, you see mine, it's all dirty laundry and children running around. So, yeah, oh wait, a, that's not virtual. <laughs> that's real. Well, I think
1: listeners, you already have a taste that we're going to have a little fun uh, in the next half hour or so. Lisa is not only a speaker, an author, and a podcaster, but a uh, uh, business humorist, a real creative consultant, and a coach to help people get their thinking and get their projects unstuck. And Lisa, I want to start with the best title in your bio ball, and that's prank enthusiast. Tell us about your enthusiasm for pranks.
0: Work in an office during the day and I just scared somebody again this morning. I just feel like everyone should have this from me. It's my gift to you because there is a health in humor. And when we laugh and we connect through laughter and humor, our adrenaline is released. That's an energizer. Our serotonin is released. That's nature's antidepressant. Our blood pressure is lowered. So when I scared my coworker Jay this morning and he said a naughty word, he should have actually said, thank you. Now I'm energized for the day. I've been a prankster. I I just, I think I probably came out making a prank, came out a mom that way because Mm -hmm. it's just any reason to laugh, I'm drawn to it. I really am.
1: talked about these chemical sort of releases, you know, it, and it really does literally go to the brain, doesn't it? And just get it firing in whole different ways.
0: It does. And that's why we are attracted to laughter. It's because of those natural things that happen when we do enjoy a, a moment of laughter. Picture when you're in a restaurant or the fake cafe behind you and the, and the table next to you just all bursts out. up. We are drawn. We look over there and part of us is like, what, what's going on? Or if you worked in an office and you can hear it down the hall, you go and you first say to them, what's so funny? What you're really saying is, I want to laugh too, because it feels so dang good. Well, when you laugh together and you share that moment, and especially if it's in a work environment or anywhere in public, the next place you go, you still are uplifted and joyful and you can't help but spread that. So that's the good thing that we can go viral with. And then that it's a ripple effect of joy to the next experience we have, even if you answer the phone and there's a smile on your face, it can be heard.
1: Well, and Lisa, you talk about being born with this uh, sort of angle of having fun and pranking, but uh, some people are not. And so you've also made a vocation out of, you know, how do you bring more laughter and humor to the creative process? Are there ways of stimulating that if it doesn't come natural to someone?
0: It really is a choice. Humor to me is a connector and that's really important to me. And remind me and we'll talk about my project and bravery because that also talks about creativity and humor. Humor is a choice. And so we can choose to scroll through social media before bed and get angry that somebody appears to be doing better than us, but really are they? And do we care? How does that affect us? Or we can look at politics or this pandemic thing I've heard something about. So we could choose to delve into that. Or we could go to look at Carol Burnett outtakes and bloopers or dogs playing or the panda bear that is kind of rolling around when the person's trying to clean its pen. That would be better for your brain before bed. (laughs) Humor is a choice. And that's just one example of how. I ended up seeking humor because I do crave that feeling of laughter and connecting. I came from a home of trauma. So my background is really how humor was my escape and later became my business, which is a choice.
1: You know, you mentioned the the trauma and response to that. I often wonder, and people have asked me, you know, do I use maybe humor or especially sarcasm as a defense mechanism? Do some people hide behind this uh, smile and then have the tears of a clown, you know, behind it?
0: every single performer and go ahead and fight me that i'm wrong because whether you are Robin Williams or the guy headlining at your local bar they all have something that that's not on stage and that would be their real life you know people say oh you're so brave to do comedy so i i was in a comedy sketch and improv troupe for 20 years i ended up running it and owning it. And people are like, you're so brave. And you're, gosh, I wish I could do that. I could tell just your listeners, and I'm only going to tell your listeners the big secret. You, you aren't you on stage, by the way. You are a persona of yourself. You are a parody of yourself. Once you displace that thought that it's Lisa David Olson on stage, and it's Lisa David Olson doing these things, or is it really my persona that I am going to go up on stage, and I'm the brave one up there, so I can do whatever I want. Because I tell myself I'm not me, the me that works in an office during the day. There's a way to do that. And that's what a lot of performers do. And I used to host comedy. And you would talk to these headliners and feature acts. And they're very flat and serious till they hit the stage. That's an act. So it's, you know, if, if they make you think that that's who they are, they're doing a really great job.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. Well, and you talk about the, the tools, techniques, you know, methods. These have to be learned. I mean, even people who say, hey, I'm naturally funny. You know, have to learn things like there are improv rules, so to speak, or there are acting techniques that, you know, can make a natural actor even better, right?
0: Yes. You hit on such a really important point because what I do now, because I did wrap up the group, I thought, you know what, 20 years, I'm going to leave on a high. And that's right when the pandemic hit it was a year ago, January for me that I said, you know what, I'm going to wrap this up. I've done this for 20 years. And oh, yeah, I was wrapping it up. All right. But I but it still was my choice and then turned out to not be my choice. But the thing that you just touched on was the comparison of what tips can you use from that into your actual world? Yeah, you could be naturally funny. That's great. But not all humor carries over. And your your natural humor might be jokes that would make a sailor blush. That's great. But no Know your audience, those mm. jokes in a regular office, or let's pretend you are working in a library or something. You're not going to be sharing those jokes. Well, if you do, you're not invited to come back very much, right, but right. it's going to be a short game. It would be a very short yeah, And so your day job,
1: if you're trying to be in the conference room with this humor, right?
0: Absolutely right. And what I do now is I use those tips from my years of experience and help people with what they're doing at work or maybe their book launch or perhaps. So I'm helping a friend with her book just from my own perspective. And I'm helping a different friend with the book launch, you know, during the pandemic, we can't just go and do a happy hour like we were doing, or somebody else was trying to think of a name of their group and of their business that they were starting. I love to do that because it's really just wordplay and thinking big. And so a lot of tips from the stage are usable in every day. And you're right about scenes like in improv. Yeah, we go up and you and I are going to be pretending that we're at the dog show. And as soon as one of us speaks, we know the other one's place. So if I say, well, Mark, how long have you been a judge here at the show? I just told you your role. Mm-hmm. And now you know that I'm probably bringing my dog and we'll, we can go forward. But then we need a conflict. So the conflict might be that I accidentally brought my cat. I'm just making this up right now. Mm-hmm. It sounds funny to And then, so now we have to work out of it. So do you decide, okay, we can put a suit on the cat and now it looks like it's a dog. We found the conflict. Hopefully we worked it out and hopefully it was funny and we have to have an end. That's true for conversations. And what you and I are doing is listening to each other and building on what we heard. That's a crucial conversation, but it's also the way to do an improv scene that's successful. So having your partners back, listening to what they're saying and building on their idea, letting them be heard.
1: It's interesting how you've just translated that sort of improv formula to everyday conversation or if even business conversation, a sales process, a, you know, so forth. And, and I guess as you've made this a business, how have you brought this into the workplace? You know, how have you worked with business teams to show them how to use humor to sort of either improve their culture or to create new ideas, things like that?
0: People want their teams to connect on a different level. So you've got Steve in accounting, you've got Nancy in HR, and they connect probably just because they have to share a document or they're in the same meeting. But are they really connected to know that Nancy likes to collect salt and pepper shakers and you know Steve has a horse? We don't know that. So is it that important? I I think it is because it's a way to get beyond just work and actually care about each other and learn, oh, his learning style is this and her learning style is that. And that's how we stay connected and really can be more cohesive in whatever projects we're working on together. So it's really important to make your partner look good, whether it's in the office or at home. Don't forget, it could be your partner. It could be your child. You know, let them be heard. Are you listening to fix it or are you listening to hear and let them vent it out? You know, so know how you're listening to be actively listening. But with teams, I love to go in and we play uh, one of my favorite games to play is we do this game where we think of crazy, crazy things. Well, let's do it right now, Mark. What business are we at? And you and I are are working in this business. It's let's pretend it's an office. Great.
1: We are franchisees of a sandwich shop.
0: Okay. And so right now I'm going to ask you and all the team here. So you're going to come up with at least two ideas and I will too. Tell me here at our sandwich shop franchise, how could we get fired today? And it could be anything. So I'm going to first say that we are, we have an open bar and we're drinking on the job. That would get us fired. Do
1: you Um, have one? We could serve, I'll say, spoiled sandwiches.
0: But doesn't mustard last forever? (laughs) Mustard
1: lasts forever. Salami. (laughs) It's the name of your next book.
0: Yes. I think we could also allow any kind of animals in and just let them have their way with the place, going to the bathroom and shedding all over. So animals all day, every day inside this restaurant.
1: Right. We could have a keep the change promotion where we keep the change. <laughs>
0: That's awesome.
1: No one has ever. It's so much okay. like mandatory tipping. I would.
0: Very mafia-like. Now we're going to take those fabulous ideas. Now we're going to make them workable. So I'll fix mine instead of drinking on the job. I think every Friday we're going to get free root beer floats on break.
1: That's good. Well, obviously, I guess we could take the keep the change and donate that to uh, charity.
0: That makes sense. Or,
1: Or I guess we could also say it goes in a fund to give sandwiches, you know, to the less fortunate. You know, we have a fund where the excess sandwiches at the end of the day, instead of selling them as expired, you know, we keep them from being expired by giving them away.
0: You actually gave me goosebumps with that one. That is so sweet. And instead of animals messing up and shedding everywhere, let's say we each bring a picture of our pet. And we'll make a big board and everybody has to guess whose pet is whose. I like it. What do we have left for you?
1: Well, let's see. Well, we could also have like a bring your pet day, even if they couldn't come in the office, maybe out in the parking lot or we could have some kind of pet fair.
0: This exercise is called get your butt fired. And it was so fun. I mean, you and I, I had a blast and it, it was just two of us. Now imagine that with a room full of people where I don't make everybody answer, but it's, I, I promise not to scare your introverts. That's one of my promises. So that that way people that want to participate and shout out, but we just learned like for yourself, that it's possible that we might even take that topic offline and say, what charity could we donate to? Maybe we just set up a, a jug in the break room and we all could chip in. That would be kind of cool. That idea is one that could go really far. But the main thing is, is that as a group, we're, we're saying these crazy things, like you'll always be remembered for the guy that wanted to keep the change kind of thing, you know? So it's a team builder that is free, you know, mm-hmm. just takes a little time and, and it gives everybody a chance to just be as, as wild as they want and then bring it back and actually do some groupthink. And even as you
1: were mentioning the improv, there's a lot of trust in that, isn't there? And I guess even if the get your butt fired, you know, we know that we're not going to be fired, so there's a relaxing. But but the trust that something like that could build, how important is that in a group session that we've been talking about?
0: It's so great that you point that out. Trust is so important in the sense of being free to speak. And in that group, you and I just did, I've had people say the craziest things and very adult things and very silly things, but we knew that it was a safe room that it wasn't, you weren't going to really get fired. So why not be wild? And we kind of got each other going. And then as we brought it back down, it was funny as heck to think back to what the wild ideas were. Trust in a scene on stage is committing to the scene no matter what. And you did that. You committed to the sandwich shop and you were an employee for the moment. You committed to that scene and you didn't say anything that made me look bad. You didn't tell me no when I said, we'll drink on the job. Now imagine if you had said, no, 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 that's not good. Boom. You just shut me down. I'm not going to share anymore. And I feel kind of bad. And so that's, in an improv scene, that's why you might have heard the term yes and. So I accept your idea and I can build from it. It doesn't mean I completely agree, but I'm not shutting you down. So that's called a roadblock in improv. Oh, we're here at the we're here at the car show. No, no, we're not. We're here at the tree farm. Boom. You just shut me down and now I'm just standing there going, well, then do something. Mm-hmm. So that happens in conversations as well. So for the rest of today and tonight, are you doing that to anybody? Or are you letting them be heard, making them feel important? And really important, do they feel heard? Do they think you are listening? Sometimes a follow-up question is, really important in a personal conversation.
1: When you really bring up an important point uh, that there is a role at some point in group dynamics for the devil's advocate. It's probably not in the first five minutes of the brainstorming, but, but how do you, I'm always curious from a group dynamic standpoint, how different facilitators and instructors handle the devil's advocate, the people who do want to either derail or stop or judge you know in those periods where we're not supposed to be derailing and judging.
0: Well, in my comedy group, if if ever that was the case, that person wasn't invited to be in our shows. We had this really great cohesive group of seven people that were together for so many years just for that reason because we built this trust, we could finish each other's sentences and if I blanked on stage, my friend Tracy definitely knew it in my face and would tell me my name on stage, you know, or whatever my character was because it will happen. So do you have each other's backs? And if that happens, In a group dynamic, we all know how we feel when we can't trust that person, you really avoid that person. And it takes such energy. One of the best things you could do, and this is not easy, this is going to make you sweat in the weird places. And sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's just the thing you have to do, which is have the actual conversation with the person. Mm -hmm. If it's the workplace, the conversation is hugely important, but I Really would recommend you have a third party there. I know that sounds crazy, but I used to work in a hospital and one of the doctors kind of accused me of giving all the new patients to another doctor. And she, she wanted me to step into a side room and I made my boss come in with me. And I'm so glad in that moment, I had such clarity. Because I wasn't doing that and I could prove it, but I wasn't going to have this one-on-one and have her do that to me. I know that's kind of a weird story, but I think everybody can relate to a time when that happened. It's it's a crucial conversation that needs to be had. Otherwise, you don't know what's in their head and you're both assuming things from each other, Mm -hmm. just like talking online. Well, it's
1: interesting you say that because oftentimes you think I better bring somebody else in case they say something. Well, what if you say something? I mean, yeah, that might be either misinterpreted, that's not what I meant, or that's not what I said. You certainly don't want that difficult sort of he said, she said kind of moment, do you?
0: No, and it probably isn't fair for me me to say this, but I'm 55, I'm going to say it working in an office of women, that is going to happen. If well, you, the more women you have in a group, you need to have a conversation with the other one to understand where their brain's coming from. Otherwise we do so much assuming and it just builds this, this I don't know, picture scabs that we don't need. And it's just like, ugh, just talk it out.
1: But you also mentioned, you know, is all politics aside, but we've all had a moment where we've said something. Well, so I was just kidding. Because you think you're the big jokester in the room, but somebody else took it in a whole different way.
0: And that's happened. And that will sit on you. Sometimes the other person doesn't even doesn't even care or didn't notice. But if it did sit on you, I think the right thing to do is to reach out. I've I've had to do that. I absolutely said something to somebody. It was really flippant. All I said was, Oh, you still work here? It was just one of those Midwest silly things because I hadn't seen her. I hurt her feelings. I had no idea that she was at home with her sick child. We work in the same building, but it's opposite ends. And we don't see each other every day. And I said, it is a flippant thing in the hallway. I will never use that phrase again. She reached out to me later and said, I, my daughter has been really sick. That's why I haven't been here. I had no clue. You can believe I brought presents for the kids the next day and apologized Uh, three different times. I was hoping that she understood that was just one of those dumb, you know, Hey, whatever (laughs) you say. And I'm so glad she reached out to me. I felt like an idiot, but it was, but look at me. I didn't mean anything by it. How could I know? And I'm so glad she reached out to me because if she hadn't, she would have thought I was just cruel that I thought she was gone and, and just having fun. Who cares? That's not my business.
1: <laughs> well, and that's some of what you've been talking about with creativity is to open the channels and open the lines of communication so that yes. you can also receive the feedback, not just give it. But oh, you know, yeah, that's what you're saying.
0: Be gracious. Yes. If somebody is reaching out and it's them asking you for the conversation, be gracious. That takes, that's bravery. And nobody wants to do that. So give them your time, your, your attention, put your phone away and, and be ready to hear a message.
1: Yeah. Well, folks, uh, my guest is Lisa David Olson, and we're unlocking the world of creativity with some of her experiences. Let's turn to your creative process, Lisa. You've published a couple of books. Describe how you compiled your experience and your stories and so forth into your book.
0: Everyone has a story. And so many people will say, I've always wanted to write a book, but who would read it? And that makes me want to sob because write your book because you want to share a story. Don't write it because you wonder who was going to read it but at the same time do know your audience but you know i wrote my story because growing up in trauma in an alcoholic home and finding humor as my escape and later as my business i really wanted to tell that story and finding the right editor or book coach to help you along that journey just to keep you in track but if you've got an idea just start writing because the editing is not to be done during it or you're going to miss something sometimes you can write long and then go back and just pick out the nuggets that you that you want so i I ask that you would write it if you're thinking of it. Mine is laughs on rye w r y and it's an improviser's memoir and it is about the back and forth of my mom and i her alcoholism and my childhood through modern day now i work with officers in the day and i prank them too so it doesn't always go great but everything's a good story and then my other book that i have is i just had it printed locally so if you're interested that is something you'd have to reach out to me for and it's what ifs and why nots and it's a creative journal of tips to unlock your stuck ideas.
1: And first, I have a question about that. But uh, first, tell us how to find that. I guess the book is probably on Amazon, right?
0: My book Laughs on Rye is on Amazon. And it is through printed version, Kindle version and audio. Excellent.
1: And then the journal we reach out to you. How do we do that? Yes,
0: I decided, you know, during this time, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give some business to the local guy. And plus, it's, it's a spiral bound. Cause I am very controlling and I like to, when I write or draw, I want it laying flat. So one side is all lined and one is blank, but I have a lot of creative tips like this one, discover your, why, what is your purpose? The reason you do what you do. Love that.
1: Now I wanted to ask you about today's tip from your journal. And you said that oftentimes creative ideas come from combining two otherwise normal ideas. But when you put them together, they sound crazy. So today you wanted to have a cup of coffee and take a shower. And you thought, (laughs) well, I think I'll save some time and I'll do both (laughs) at the same time. Now, describe the outcome of this creative inspiration.
0: Well, thank you for for noting that. If anybody wants the photo, it's on LinkedIn. I... It was not a time saver. I would like to correct you. I said, okay. corrected. It was a desire and I wanted coffee and I wanted my shower and dang it. If I didn't do both. And it was a joy. And I also had a crime podcast on a speaker nearby. It was a beautiful moment of my day. I'm going to tell you that. I've also done that with ice cream. I've had ice cream in the shower. I called out to my husband and he came in, you okay? I'm like, yeah, can you put this back in the freezer? And he just roared laughing. Who would think that an arm is going to be thrust out of the curtain with a small container of ice cream and a spoon? Life is short. Do things that, even if it just makes you laugh and make you feel like you're playing hooky or something, do it. Mm -hmm. Go barefoot. Do do whatever. It doesn't have to be big. It's affordable. You can do Things like pranks, like drive around with a cup taped on top of your car just to make people scream and yell at you, hey, you got a soda on your car? You just wave like, I don't know you. Just do things that make yourself laugh first.
1: Absolutely. I I was recently asked about these creative techniques, many of which I'm asking you about. And it it was the same thing. It's like, well, you can drive another way to the grocery store. I mean, there's probably another street. And it doesn't cost anything. It didn't take any time. You didn't have to take a course. You you drove and you looked at something new out the window.
0: Yes, (laughs) that's exactly it. And And turn on a different radio station. Why not?
1: Yes. Exactly. So the coffee was good. You had a good creative moment there. Excellent.
0: I did. Well,
1: Lisa, what's next? You, you said uh, maybe not the improv uh, classes and studio right now, but what, what's on the horizon for you?
0: Yeah, I still do teach improv. It's just that we're not doing the actual full, full out shows right now. We were doing sketch comedy that was taking like, you know, four or five months to write a show. And, and, and while I love it and I miss it, it, it was just time. But currently I'm doing the creative consulting. I am speaking. And I love being a business humorist at your business, or I speak a lot to women's groups. It doesn't matter. I'll come in and I'll bring the fun and I can share ideas of how the workplace can do affordable games that don't interrupt the work. And also I have a TEDx coming up and that will be in Bloomington, Indiana. And I'm so thrilled to share my message of seeking humor and finding bravery.
1: That sounds very exciting. Well, folks, my guest has been Lisa David Olson and we have been having a lot of fun talking about uh, creative inspiration for one and techniques and methods and tools and all sorts of uh, pranks that we can do to brighten our day and to stimulate some creative thinking. But I think you've also heard from Lisa ways that you can make some of these creative activities and initiatives very practical in your world from creating new ideas to creating an open conversation and th- these crucial conversations that sometimes we have to have with our coworkers. So Lisa, just can't thank you enough for sharing your uh, experiences and your laughter and your ideas with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me here. I love your show, Mark. Thank you, everyone.
1: Thanks. And be sure to go and follow Lisa on LinkedIn and check out her book, Laughing on Rye, W-R-Y, which is just perfect as well. Laughing on Rye, and that's a terrific book. So, listeners, this has been Unlocking Your World of Creativity. We've been talking about methods and ways to stimulate our creative thinking, but also how to organize our ideas and most of all to give you the confidence to get your work up and out into the world. Let your story be told, let your creativity shine. Let's have some fun with it as Lisa's encouraged it. So come back again next time. I'm Mark Stinson. This is Unlocking Your World of
0: Creativity. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson, copyright 2021.
1: Our podcast is supported by Adobe and the Adobe Creative Cloud. The Adobe Creative Cloud gives you the world's best creative apps and services so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. The Adobe Creative Cloud is a collection of 20-plus desktop and mobile apps and services for photography, design, video, UX, and more. We use Adobe Creative Cloud to help make this podcast using Adobe Audition, Premiere Rush, in design and many more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud and let's make something better together.